Let's do our confession of faith here out of Isaiah, all right? The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I shall know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear to learn. The Lord God had opened my ear, and I was not rebased, nor did I turn away. You may be seated. God bless you. Lord, I just ask you to anoint my lips today, anoint the ears of those who hear, that we may receive, God, what you have for us today. Not what I have to say, but what you have to say through me. I thank you, Lord, for the strength that you give us to do all that we must do for you this day. I praise you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, man. You guys got to get that. I learned that when I was in Arkansas. I liked it. I noticed that they were always saying amen in this church. But as we listened closely, it wasn't amen that they said, even though that's what they're saying. It sounds like they're saying, hey, man. You know, like, hey, man. How you doing? No. But... They say, hey, man. They kind of do the amen, but they're sucking in when they say it. So when it comes out, it's very strong. But whatever way you say it, amen. Praise the Lord. This morning's message is titled, Influence by Association. Influence by Association. Now, if you go to the dictionary, which... I knew what influence was. I think all of you do. But if you go look in the regular dictionary, it says the capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling, a compelling force on or produce effects on the actions, behavior, opinions, and etc. In other words, influence has a compelling force to cause you to change. Okay? What it's really talking about. From a spiritual position, I'd like to kind of define it this way. Influence is the moral and spiritual force, power, or capacity by which we have an effect Upon a person, a condition, or development. Now, development within itself means a process. Negative influence cause negative results or effects. Positive influence causes positive effects. I watched a little bit more news this week than I normally watch. Read more than I normally read, and got upset more than I've been upset in a while. Because I look at the chaos in the world, and I look at how the world is how how the world in the media and in every form of government and and even beyond the governments into organizations and organizations being organized as five hundred one. 
501Cs uh, type of corporations that are using those corporations and so forth to turn our society away from the right and turn it into wrong. And I see how people respond. I'm beginning to see the frog, attack, frog effect begin to take place. Everyone, I'm sure, is familiar with the, with the frog effect, right? The frog effect is a little bit different than, uh, than uh, uh, just getting it all at once. But the frog effect is this. If you take a frog, a live frog, boil some water on the stove, and throw the frog in the water, what happens? The frog jumps out. Right? Why? Because you took him from his natural environment basically into the fire. Same thing, you know, if you put him in an environment he knew was dangerous right off the bat. Some of the things that are happening today in our world and the influences we have, if all of these things had happened at one time, at one place, quickly, we would have been very quick to, whoa, reject. Right? We would do because we want to reject it because it was something so obvious. What they were trying to do or whatever the situation was would be so obvious to us that we would say, boom, I know that that's not of God. And I, and I, and I say no to that. And even if you weren't saved and you were an unbeliever, you would say, wait a minute, that goes against everything even I believe. Not necessarily the church, but I believe, right? But then you take the other side of what's the frog effect is you take a cool water, put it on, put the frog in the water, and he's in his environment just the way he wants to. But then you turn on the fire and you start heating it up. And he gradually, 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 the heat influences his body. He says, oh, man, that's just warm. Boy, that's even better. Hmm. Don't throw one of those things at me, okay? I'm not a frog. All right. All of a sudden, he lays there, and finally he realizes that water's getting pretty warm. But by now, he can't move. He has become so comfortable in his environment that he's no longer able to save himself. And when I look at the things in the world, especially the morality of the world. We saw it changing years ago, but it has been little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit. And we say, ah, oh, okay, I can live with that. I mean, let them do what they want to do. I can live with it. But then all of a sudden their truths, their lies that they were saying that we knew were lies, all of a sudden are now truths. At least they say they are, right? But now we've accepted those things. So when we talk about influence, our influence, we would have no influence without someone to influence. You cannot influence someone without association with somebody else or some other thing, right? So... My message this morning is about influence by our association. 
our association with our families, our association in our jobs, our association in work, our associations in school, everything that's outside of the home plus what's in the home with the, with the thing. Because influence, where there are two, there will be influence one way or the other. Okay? So, influence is bidirectional. By bidirectional, I mean it works both ways. I can sit down and talk to Pierre over here, start talking to him about the Lord, and start talking to him about a given uh, circumstance that I believe in Scripture, and I start talking to Scripture. Like I'm up here today, I'm talking, whatever. I am in an opportunity today to not be influenced by you, but I am an influencer to you. Okay? So influence comes anytime there's two or more people together. So if I'm discussing something about Scripture, all of a sudden, Pierre says, oh, Brother, brother Grim, I, I just, I don't know if I agree with you on that. Oh, well, let me, let's look at it and see what the Word says. So we go to the Word, and let's just say the Word that Pierre was right. I was trying to influence him in something that was going against Scripture. And he showed me the Word. Now, when he showed me the Word, and I said, well, that's what the Word says, but... And I try to give him another argument of my argument, not the word, but I'm trying to say, yeah, but when you look at it, you know, when you just look at it normally, you know, I understand what the, I understand what the Bible's saying here, but you've got to realize we live in a real world. So we really ought to be able to, you know, you, you should be able to come to understand what I'm trying to say here. I, I, I don't agree with you, and, and so, you know, I, now we're in a discussion, and there's influence going back and forth. But who wins this argument? Or who wins this influential effect? The one that's the strongest. The one who has the best argument. Now, a lot of people say, well, it's hard to use the Bible to argue with people today because people don't believe in the Bible. That's a problem. And guess what the world is going after right now? The Bible and the authority authoritative word of the scriptures they're attacking the bible how do they attack the bible they attack the bible by going through the fact that they start looking at the stories in the bible and tell you there's no way that those things could have ever happened they're nothing more than a is allegory they're nothing more i have to ask my wife my wife is right or not me okay they they talk about them being an allegory an example, but nothing that truly happened. In other words, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they went across, you know, that was just a story, an allegory, to let us know about how God works and how God can do things. But that actual event didn't work. But yet science has proven that they can have found the remains of those chariots in the sea. History has verified that for some reason, either they were going out one day saying, hey guys, let's see if these things will go across this water. And then they plowed across, rode on the water to the middle of the, to the, middle of the sea, the Red Sea, and then all of a sudden their faith ran out and it sunk. How did they get out there? The only way you can get from dry land into a long, look at how big that pond of water is, the Red Sea is, if you look at it on a map. 
To get to the middle of that, it'd take a long time just to ride across there on the dirt, right? It was far enough across that the entire army was able to get in there. So we know it was a long ways. So if, they, if you read that, say, okay, well, it didn't happen, but the science kind of associates it does. If they were able to go all the way across that on the water, and then the last moment they collapsed and went under the water and they drowned, that's a bigger miracle than what God did. Because he allowed all those fools to ride on the water. The miracle of him, ride all the way across the water before he drowned them. And then they come back and say, oh, well, wait a minute. The place where this happened, the water was only two feet deep. Wow, thank you, Lord. Even a bigger miracle. They drowned in a chariot in two foot of water. What God, you're so good. Boy, you, what I'm saying, every time they try to make an argument, it makes it a bigger miracle than it, than it was. When you try to say, how could this have happened? So to me, it doesn't take away. It says, okay, if you want to call it whatever. But the thing about it, we've proved it's not an allegory. Now, was the, water, was the, was the earth destroyed by water? Oh, no, that's just, that's just, okay. You understand what I'm trying to say? It's the fact that many times they're trying to take stories in Scripture and see, when we say we're telling our children a child a story, be careful using the word story. Let's go read a story. If you go read a story, what you're reading is something that's in a book, and you're reading a story that did not happen, probably didn't happen, could have happened, whatever, especially to a young child. You read a story about, oh, I don't know. I can't remember a children's book, but whatever. Take a children's book. And so you say, let me tell you a story. So you read like it, and the child says, did that happen? You say, well, no, this is just a story. It's just a story. In other words, it's not really the truth. So now when you come up to your youth and you say, "Uh, let's look at the story of Noah and the ark. Oh, let's look at the story of David and Goliath. What does that implant in them if everything that you told them before that was a story didn't happen. We need to make sure that they understand the story that we're telling them is a story of something that happened and is truth. This happened, but it's a story only because it's a, that's what we tell stories to tell you the story. That is the story. But we must make sure they understand that the story that we're telling them comes out of the Word of God and it is not a lie. Something. Because that's the influence that we have. Right? Now, what are our influences on other people? Matthew. You wonder when I was going to get this scripture. I know. Matthew 5. says, you are the salt of the earth. What are we? Salt. What does salt taste like? Define salt. It tastes like salt. It's salty. Bitter? Okay. What's salt? Define me salt. You are the salt of the earth. Okay. He calls us salt. 
And I think it was a reason why he did it. It's hard to define what salt is, but he said it's salt, right? You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost, has become tasteless. In other words, when you put it in your mouth, you don't get that bitter taste that Pierre's talking about up here. Or that salty taste, as we all know what a salty taste is. When somebody drink, you drink something and say, well, what's the taste like? That's salty. My wife said the other day, she got some broth or something like that. She said, it's too salty. Okay? Salt, some of us like a lot of salt. Some of us don't like salt. Some people don't eat salt at all. But the fact is we have to have salt in our body at least by some point anyway. But it says it has become tasteless. How do we become tasteless as a Christian? I like to say for, for my message because it fits good <laughs> that we've become tasteless. We've become of no influence. We've become of no influence. We cannot change anybody if, our, if we lose the salt of our Christianity. We're unable to, be, to influence anyone in anything because we have nothing to give them. We have become tasteless. Okay? And... What do you do with tasteless Christians? Well, it says, how will it be made salty again? Question. It is good for nothing anymore. Except to be thrown out to the world and trampled under their feet. I added that. But that's what it says. It says, except to be go out and be trampled under the foot of men. All it is anymore is the fact that you have no season whatever and of use, and the world will trample over you because you've lost your salt. You've lost your influence. You've lost your ability to influence the people that you want to influence. Now, it says, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. That's talking about us. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You put one on top of a hill, kind of hard to miss it. Okay? Understand that. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under, we used to use a bushel, but peck measure, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Light, we are the light of the world, and where the light is, it gives light to the whole house. We are the light to our house. We're the light for our children to be raised in the light, not in the darkness. The light means the light of God's word, the light of God's ways. What is the number one influence that parents have? Is on their children. Think back to you who are children of somebody of long ago. I can think back of how many times and tell you the times and the things that my, my mother spanked me with. Today, my mother would be locked up for uh, child abuse. But you know something? I stand before you today a better man than I would have been without it. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on my mother. Because my mother kept me in line. She made me 
do the things I did not want to do. The world now says if it feels good, do it. Hey, you want to blow somebody's brains out? Blow them out. There are people that actually say that when they get in. Say, I just felt like doing it. What would you do? I just felt like doing it. Felt good. Felt good, huh? Okay, felt good. What happened back in the home? Doesn't matter. Something happened. Somebody let somebody get away with wrong and said, it's just okay. It's just a small thing. How many Kleenexes are in this box? I have no idea. A bunch of them. Okay. Now, if it's sitting down here on the floor, and one of the children comes up here and pulls a Kleenex out of it and drops it on the floor, another one picks the Kleenex up and drops it on the floor, they pick another one out, and they pick another one out, and they pick another one out, and they pick another one out. There are people that would never correct that child. Because that child wanted to do that, let them do it. What big deal is this? Just Kleenex. It sets forth an attitude. When I was growing up, we didn't have these. We had to carry a handkerchief. But if we, if I did not have one mother in my church and one father in my church, I had multiple mothers and multiple fathers, even though none of them was my mother and none of them was my father. Anytime I did something that they knew was wrong and that my mother and my father would not want them to do, guess who corrected me? Them. Guess who? Guess what happened if I didn't abide by what they said? Right? Anybody remember the ear? Why you wonder why my ears are so big? They got lots of practice at stretching. As they took me to my mother or my father and said, just wanted you to know that your son was doing blah, blah, blah. I tried to uh, get him to stop, and he doesn't want to stop. My mother would usually say, we'll take care of this when we get home. Now, that meant when I got home, they were going to sit me down and say, don't ever do that again. <laughs> right? That, no, that wasn't what was going to happen. I would be home, Lord, please don't let them beat me to death. I had a pastor's son do that one time. pastor called him out in church. He says, I'll take care of you when I get home tonight. Went right back to his message. As the service was over, he, he beelined out the door, headed for the, headed for the house. I walked over to the pastor. We walked in the sliding glass doors in the back. I walked in. We were just talking. He said, listen, heard this talking. He says, so we come over to the door. Here's that young man, about seven or eight years old. Oh, God, 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 please don't let Daddy beat me to death. That young boy, today, pastors one of the largest group of churches in Florida. He has campuses all over Florida. He just opened one in Carolinas and another one out in Oklahoma. This guy's on a plane preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ just like his daddy. He is a fireball. If you want to hear something, go to, go to Pastor Jim Rayleigh out of Ormond Beach, Florida. 
You want to hear some powerful message, some uncompromised message of God? That boy's covered up with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because he had a father that disciplined him. Did he get disciplined for what he did? Yes, he did. Pastor Rayleigh went in and we would not do it in my presence. He gave him a real tearing up with his belt. He came out and he said, would you go with me for a minute? I said, yeah. We walked out on the porch and said, that's good. I looked up at him and he was crying. He said, that's the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. My son begging God. And I wanted him to know that God heard his prayers. But I had to discipline him anyway. Sometimes when we do discipline as a parent, sometimes we go away and we cry because it hurts when we discipline our children. It's not easy. It's not easy. But it's something we have to do because it will make them a better person. It will make them better. When I was in school, they had this piece of wood. It was called the influencer. It feeds the message, folks. Okay, it feeds the message. And they influenced me several times. As a matter of fact, one day I got caught. I got caught butting in. Y'all know what that is, right? Butting into the cafeteria line in front of everybody to get my food first and not wait in line. I could get away with it because I went to a school that was 7th grade through the 12th grade and I would always wait till the younger kids were up there and they all looked up to me as an athlete. So they would, they would ask me if I wanted to come up there. And one day, Worm the Therm, that was Mr. Thurman, he went to my church, by the way. He was a vice principal. We called him Worm the Therm because he's always worming around and looking around and sleeping around in the halls to try to catch people. Caught me and he says, I want you to come to my office next period. He called about three or four of us, two boys. I, gave, I think it was two of us boys and three girls. So we went in there, and uh, they gave the church, girls some, had to do some big project and paperwork and all that kind of stuff. Something had to do with learning. We got a choice of doing that or getting pops. Well, I took the pops because I didn't like to do homework. When he hit me, I, the one who did me was my principal, and he was about this high. He was my basketball coach. Put my hands on the desk. He hit me right there. I went up on the desk. I'm not lying to you. This, I'm preaching, so I'm not lying to you. I said, whoa, hold on just a minute. Foolish on my part. Let me go sit. Can I wait just a minute before I get the other one? So I go out, and I finally get the feeling back, which was my biggest mistake. I went back and got my second one back up on the desk again. I rested for that one. And finally, I realized when I went in over there, I said, I should have got them quick because I was numb after the first one. But I got those. And so we had a ball game that night. And I had a real good, had a real good night. Made a lot of yardage, made a lot of touchdowns. Everything was, everybody was happy to go lucky, whatever. And I was wore out. I go in the locker room and I'm kicking back in my thing. I didn't even have time to take my shoulder pads off. I'm just laying there like this. My dad always came in. 
And so my dad's standing there talking to me, and all of a sudden my principal walks in. Great job, Larry. He said, you did so good. Maybe you need to come in next week and get three more pops. Maybe you do good next week. That wasn't good. Because when I got home, guess what? I got the belt. I got double punishment. The thing about it is, I'm still here today. I've got a reasonably normal mind. And God has done, not me, but God has done great things. I thank the Lord for what he's done. I thank the Lord for the wife he gave me. We went to Uganda and saw children. and God did a good work. Feeding 5, over 5,000 meals a week to kids who need, are hungry. You know, I feel good about it, but the thing about it is I didn't do it. I'm just kind of like the, what you call it, the funnel. <laughs> I'm kind of the funnel that takes all the funds and gets it to the place that it needs to go to, to get it all there. But God gets all the glory for it, right? But it's all because of God. But influence, right? It's what we are, an influencer. It says, you're the light of the world. We talked about that. It says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. For my message today, again, that they may see your good works. What are good works? Good works are the things that you do that are right. Right? It's the right things that you do. So it's your influence. Your good works influence those around you. The way when somebody else, when something comes down and everybody at the job reacts, and you sit there and say, hey, it's okay. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. I don't know how many times I told my technicians that when I was a supervisor, manager over them. I said, you know, they said, well, all these changes coming down. How are we going to do that? I said, listen, guys, have I changed? They said, no. I said, have you changed? They said, no. All they're doing is dropping something else to the same team that's done it over and over and over again. So we have to do one more step in the process. We're going to get it done. Quit worrying about it. If you worry about it, all it's going to do, the more you chew it, the bigger it's going to get. Let's just conquer it right now and say we're going to do it and everything's fine. And we worked it out and everything goes fine. But sometimes we just respond the wrong way. But by responding the right way to certain situations, when things happen and we respond the wrong way in front of our children. Has anybody here ever apologized to your child? Huh? Got some hands. I, spanked, I, told, I think I told you this story. I'll make it real quick. My son did something. Or my son didn't do something that I thought he did. I was convinced he did it. I was always had, to, had, had circumstantial evidence that he did it. So by the court of my law, I gave him punishment. Thank you. Later on, a couple of days later, I found out he didn't do it. So I went to him and I said, son, I have to, I have to apologize to you. He said, well, for Dad. I said, uh, I, I just punished you un, uh, I said wrongly. I said, uh, I thought you did this. You told me you didn't do it. 
and you told me you did. You didn't. I told you you did. And everything pointed to the fact that you did it. I just found out that you didn't do it. He said, well, I told you I didn't do it, Dad. I said, well, I'm sorry. He said, but you can't take away the whipping I got. I said, no, I can't. And for that, I'm very sorry. But how many times have you got away with doing something wrong that I didn't catch you? He dropped his head a little bit like this, and I says, yeah. Just pretend that you got punished for that one instead of the one you didn't do. And it'll make it feel a lot better. He says, no, it won't. Whatever. If my son's watching this, he's going to be embarrassed, that's for sure. Not supposed to use your family and things. But anyway, influence. So as an influencer, you have a responsibility to live a life holy and acceptable to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your influence, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to man. Oh, did I misquote? That's what it says. No. Holy and acceptable to God, not man. I'm not here on this earth as a Christian to satisfy man. I'm not working today because I would not satisfy a man. He wanted me to discipline somebody that I knew did not need the discipline and refused to do so and took him to HR. Not from HR. HR agreed with me 100%. But the people above them sided with upper management. And I got my dismissal papers. They just said it was a cutback because they knew they couldn't get rid of me because it was wrong. They took the time when we were downsizing to downsize about uh, 50 of us guys that were above the age of 58. But that was not discrimination. I signed a piece of paper saying it wasn't. Okay, But I urge you, Acceptable God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What greater worship to give the Lord than to live a life totally in acceptance of what He wants? Let our influence be good, right? And do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't change your good influence. To what the world wants you to do. The world is trying to change us when we are supposed to be changing them. We got this thing reversed. It's just like the power and struggle in house supposed to be father, mother, children. It got turned around to children, man, I mean, uh, woman, man, children. And the last time they did it, with the, age, with, the, with the year of the child, was they made the child first in the family, the mother second in the family, and the father is the last one. They have taken God's order and turned it completely upside down. If you don't believe it, you do something 
to your, to your child and they go blab it to the school and see who has more authority. The father, the mother, or the child. Even if it's false, they have more power than you have. We've turned everything upside down. Why? We gradually accepted it because it sounded good. It sounded good. Y'all getting all of it today, so whatever. All right. All right, now, you don't be going this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. Okay, stop there. Transform your mind from the way you think of the, the way the world is. Christians say, I don't have the mind of the world. I have the mind of Christ. But we think and are influenced by the world, right? So it comes this way. But it should be the other way, right? But by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is. In other words, by what we do, by what influence we have against the world, we're saying this is what God wants. And people say, I don't want God. You really? Go and find somebody else. All you can do is share and plant the seed. You're only, we got three people, right? People who what? Plant. Okay? People who do what? What's their? Just a crop, right? You go plant a seed, they may not come to the Ark Fellowship. They may get watered in Dallas. They could go up there to visit mom, dad, whatever, go somebody. And that seed that you planted, somebody says something that's just like, just, just makes that seed, you know, start doing something. And it sprouts and it gets its head above the dirt. And all of a sudden now, it sees light. It breaks through the darkness. Where the rotting has to take place. And then it pops. That little green that comes out. You go out in the field sometimes. You see it up out of the most amazing thing in the world. It comes up out of that ground. One seed went in the ground. And when they come up and get a whole stalk of corn and all the corn. And I said, man, Lottis, that is really great. God did a good job. Right? But the thing about it is, we plant a seed. It may sit there and rot. Stay in the ground. But all of a sudden, somebody puts a little bit of water on it. Holy Spirit just kind of gets in it. All of a sudden, it breaks through. It hasn't become a crop. It's now what? A tender, a tender stalk. One who's tender. But then it grows, comes into a harvest, and some church somewhere in the world will reap the harvest of the seed that you planted. Because we don't always see the results of the seeds that we plant. We think we have no influence when we plant seed. You plant seeds every day of your life, both good ones and bad ones. Good seed brings forth what? Bad seed brings forth... You put hopefully more good seed in the ground than you put bad seed in the ground. You water the good seed, put your food... And discipline on the bad seed, and hopefully all that comes up is good seed. It's going to take a while. I see some moms over here already punching some kids. 
kids, if you're in here, I won't call you kids. Teenagers, young adults that are still under the influence of your parents. If you, if you still have your parents, you're blessed. I don't know how many times I want to call my mother. I want to call my father. But I can't anymore. They're with the Lord. My daddy's happy as a lark. Reading the glory's daily news. But I love the newspaper, so I'm sure he gets the glory daily news. And have it. So he can read what's going on, what the Lord's got going on up there. He loved the paper. But be thankful if you have someone who loves you and wants you to do right. Parents, I, a lot of times you say, well, they're just too old. They're never too old for an example. Don't use a shovel on your kids to dig the hole for a small seed that you plant. All you got to do is gently push a stick into the ground and drop the seed in. Don't destroy the area putting the seed in the ground. And I hope you know what that means without me getting specifics. Be gentle because the way you plant the seed will also determine how the seed's going to respond. It'll respond to gentleness much more than it will hardness. There's a time to discipline, not punish. Discipline is not punish. I punish someone if I want to do something that they don't deserve. When Jesus bore the stripes on his back, it wasn't discipline. It was punishment. A spanking is not a spanking is not punishment. A spanking is discipline. Spare the rod, spoil the child. That's what we've lost in America. We're losing generations because the world is teaching them to be what they want to be. If it feels good, do it. And we're trying to say, just because it may feel good temporally or for a moment, doesn't make it right. There's a difference between right and wrong, and we must always stand for what is right, not what is wrong. Um, Just as Jesus was our example to the world, we are the example to the world today. We are the example to the world. First Thessalonians says, Finally, then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the, in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us instructions on how you ought to walk and please God. Just as you actually do walk that you may excel still more. In other words, as you walk, walk that way, but keep walking, make it stricter and stricter as you go, make it excel to even more. And then Thessalonians 4, 7 says, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, 
but in sanctification. Consequently, he who rejects this is not rejecting men, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. I'm going I'm to stop there. I'm going to stop there. I'll finish it. have that ability now to be able to finish it, so I'm going to just stop there. Uh, but the Lord is good today, and I want all of us to realize that you are an influencer in your home. You're an influencer on your job. You are kids, young people. You are an influencer in school. Don't expect the world to love you. They didn't love Jesus. They crucified him. But I'm telling you, when you stand up for Jesus, they may not like you, but you will be the better person for it because you just planted a seed in their life. A lot of times you have to realize they don't like you because they wished they were like you, but they have chosen to go the easy route with the world. That's not our choice. Father, I just thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me, if you would? Before I close this message, now I'm talking about influences in life. But to become an influencer, you can be an influencer anyway. But to be a good influencer, usually you have to have good principles and good works. But I never like to close a service without offering an opportunity for people that don't know the Lord to know the Lord. So I just ask you that if you're here this morning, with every head bowed just for a moment, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you haven't made that commitment to Jesus Christ, and you would like to know him today, you can get to know him today. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Brother Graham, I, I, just, I just need I need the Lord. I've, back, I've backslid. I used to know the Lord. I used to be close to the Lord, but I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. Are you here this morning? Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this group right now in the name of Jesus. Praise you and thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your word that has come forth today. I just ask you, Lord, to be with us. Strengthen us, Lord, with the power of your might. And help us, Lord, to influence those around us. As a church body, we can influence one another in the goodness of you. So, God, I pray that we can be there in our church. We influence one another. Let your love so flow. Lord, we can be an influence in our family, on the jobs out in the world, wherever it may be. And in our schools, we can be an influence. Realize that those that may not like us are dying and going to hell. And if we truly love them, we would want to tell them the truth, not let them continue to live in a lie. We just praise you and we thank you, Lord, for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just be seated? Uh, we'll go, uh, be seated. We've got something.